Hi friends, my name is Jenna, one of the three voices you'll hear on this podcast. I have worked in the wedding industry for five years and I can't wait to share all of the advice, tips, and tricks you'll need, and even better, alongside two amazing other industry professionals. Whether you're a newly engaged couple, a wedding pro, or just want to have a laugh, we're here. Now who's ready to pull back those curtains and have a glimpse behind the party? All right. Welcome back, everyone. Guess who's here? It's me. It's Jenna. I am so excited to be back in the host seat um, for my first episode as a host since I was out for maternity leave. So I'm so excited. And I do want to say that Amanda absolutely killed it when I was out doing a podcast by yourself is hard work. And can be awkward. So I really want to say that she did a great job. I would never be able to do it as great as you. You're really nice. Also, yeah, our listeners are very happy you're back because I'm extra awkward. (laughs) We also have a little uh, guest with us today. It's Mae, my little baby girl. So um, I hope that she doesn't get too loud during the podcast. If you might hear some background noise, just a heads up. But today, let's get into it. Today, we're going to be finding a, we're going to be talking about finding a good location for your business, corporate, or organization event. Um, It can be tricky. So we're going to share tips and secrets to help you choose the perfect venue for your upcoming events. Are you ready to get started, Amanda? I'm ready. I think Maeve is ready too. How little miss? (laughs) I think so. I'm here for it. I love it. (laughs) All right. So Amanda, after determining that there is a need for an event, what are the first topics the planner or committee want to determine? So I think the first couple things they're going to want to process and work through is who's attending. So you want to know kind of their role. Are they part of your membership? Is this open to the public? Are you asking a certain group to come in? And of course, their background. So if you're hosting an event and it's educational and it's for our high school students, that's a lot different than if you're hosting it for, you know, upper tier management in a professional setting. So having an idea of who's attending, not just where they're coming from, but just a general feel is really going to help guide your event and planning. And then the other thing that I recommend be one of the first topics you guys talk through and determine is what the goal of your event is. So are you trying to maintain or grow your membership? Are you trying to bring awareness to something? Are you fundraising? Are you focused on team building? Or is this an educational training and type of event along those lines? That's awesome. I'm glad that you're talking about specific types of events because that's, I think that that's definitely the first place to start. Um, What specifics help you determine what a good location can be for your event? So I think that when we're talking about the importance of understanding your event's purpose, like what the goal is, that will really help you when you're determining your location. For example, if you want a welcoming, comfortable feel, that would not be something you want to hold in an elegant ballroom. So if you're doing kind of a casual networking event, then if you put all of these, you know, especially if you're doing young professionals, if you put all of them in a 
museum where everyone has to talk in a quiet whisper and you got to kind of gracefully go around, it's probably not going to mesh well with your event purpose. If you're doing an educational speaker, you probably want to stay away from a historic home that has no rooms for guests or no room for guests to hear you. And they would be divided throughout the home instead of being able to sit in one large area. So though I think that's very important. I also think you need to think through your target audience when you're determining your location. So who's going to be attending? If it's members only, then where are you guys all starting from? Is everyone coming from across the Metroplex? Are they all located on campus? Those are two drastically different things. Are you only having invited guests there? Do you have guests of honor? Are you just doing an open fundraiser? So once you know who your target audience is, you can think about where they're coming from. Are they coming from work? Are they just going to show up in what they're wearing and run back to a meeting? If so, you definitely don't want to pick a location that's a 40-minute drive one way. I know even for Jenna and I, we love networking events with our fellow event professionals in North Texas. But since we work at a venue, it's a building, it doesn't move, it's always in the same spot. It makes it really hard for us to drive an hour one way just for a luncheon to network with people. If we have one meeting come up that morning or that afternoon, then we don't get to go anymore. And that's really a bummer. And then um, in regards and along the same lines of thinking about your target audience, I would totally think through if they're coming instead of from work, if they're at home and they have time to get ready, then you can make it something more themed like we talked about in the last episode where they can get dressed and really go full out, really make it a little bit of a different type of event. Um, and then, you, of course, you want to think through your specific needs for your location. If you're planning on having a band with AV equipment, then you need somewhere that can support that. You're probably not going to pick an open pavilion in the park because if you're having a full-on band or DJ, then you're going to have to make sure you have the right power supplies as well as permits for that. If you have certain entertainment, so if you're doing like inflatables, if you're doing a dunk tank, then you need space and you need to make sure that that's allowed. Um, parking, if it's a larger event, everyone needs to be able to park their car somewhere. And then, of course, we do a lot of events with our local first responders. They're fantastic. They're awesome, but they have to stay in district. So that way, the people who are on shift can also attend and leave the moment that they get a call. So just thinking about all the different aspects of what the point of your event is and who's coming is going to help you find the place. Um, in addition to the very obvious answers, like your guest size, you're not going to pick a venue that only holds 30 people if you're expecting over 200. That'd be a no-no. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so while we're talking about locations, Jenna, do you have any ideas of some unique locations that you'd recommend our listeners check out? Yeah. Um... So I think that libraries, breweries, um, local businesses are really fun. And I think that that's a really great way to support your community. Like Amanda and I said, we are a building. So um, if there's any way for you to support your local businesses, then I would definitely suggest that. Do you have any recommendations? I love all of those. We, we've done chamber networking events in like think lobbies. That was really cool. Oh, that's do, cool. Yeah. Do it in like um, abandoned lots where they just like set it all up and have someone come do like 
art murals. I think that would be a really cool one because it would show the community how you can use these spaces that need revitalized, but you can still make them an active part of the community. Um, in downtown Denton, there's a lot of wall murals, like walking along all the different roads. And I think it really draws everybody to those areas. So that's super fun. Um, in our area, we also have a lot of lakes. So you can find different pavilions or buildings right off of those lakes to host something. And most people don't know those exist unless they've been there before. So give them a different different feel for your area, your community than they probably ever have before would be really cool. That is really awesome. And that actually brought up something that I think is really cool that I've seen at the chamber before. A lot of businesses that don't actually have a um, location that they kind of work out of, they might have just a warehouse or something like that. I've seen them kind of partner with other small businesses that they really like and host their events there. Or since you mentioned bank lobby, like if you have a room or a lobby wherever you work, then that's a great, easy place to just host your event anyway. So um, next up, I really want to talk about budgeting because to me, I think that that's like an easy place for you to kind of go a little wild. So Amanda, they're obviously important when planning who is typically in charge of determining the budget even? So typically most organizations at any level have a pre-established budget for events and that's usually determined by their board annually, um, their total membership size and contributions as well as additional fundraising is gonna shape those budgets. And the way these funds are primarily used is then once it's budgeted out to whoever's in charge of that type of event, it's their discretion um, between them and their planning committee, other organizations, especially collegiate, although they do kind of get to decide how they use that budget, they still have to get approval. So if you are in like a student organization or kind of something on the side for fun, more of a social group, then you probably have the same structure where you are given a budget, you and your committee go use it, but you actually can't book or pay for things until you bring back all those numbers and show it to everybody and get the thumbs up. Um, and honestly, it's kind of a checks and balances. I still watch organizations structured like that and student orgs go over budget. And most of the time it would be nice if this system they have created was used, its purpose, I think, is to um, help keep that from happening. So it'd be very beneficial if that's how it worked out. Um, but along the same lines, the number one way that I see people going over budget is by being unrealistic and not prioritizing from the start. And if any of our listeners tuned in to some of more of our wedding focus episodes, this is not a surprise to you that I'm saying this. And I cannot stress enough, like knowing your priorities can help you so much. Having that idea of your overall budget and then those priorities, along with the list of necessities for the event, is really going to help you avoid any hiccups down the road. Venues that you're looking at, even if they might be like the coolest setting, if it's just the room and it's 90% of your budget and you have to do everything else, it's just it's nearly impossible for you to have enough room to make that event happen like you want to. So what are your tips for sticking to the budget, not going overboard? So I think it's really good to estimate high on costs 
um, book low. So get different quotes, set your budget around kind of like your dream list, but don't book your dream list right away. And then that way you can add on as you want. So don't count on your ticket sales or your fundraising for necessities. And what I mean by that is you need to have a place. If you're having a meal, then you got to have a caterer and drink something along those lines. And then you probably want some version of decor. Most events are going to have those things. Some might have entertainment or AB, other, other items, but whatever you're like, this half, we have to have these things for our event to happen. Make sure you get those first and use your budget towards those. And now if you end up selling, you know, a hundred extra tickets than you thought you were going to, and you end up with a thousand dollars extra, like, cool, let's go full on. Let's make this like the best event ever. But do not count on doing well in your ticket sales or fundraising for your event that you overcommit and you book a venue that you don't have the money for because you'll end up left stressed. Your members are going to have to cover the difference and it's just kind of a nightmare. So estimate high budget for the upper end, but actually book the lower side of things. You can always add on more hours, more service time, upgrade your services, things along those lines. But if the venue has, we'll say a blank slate option, like at Hawthorne Hills, where it's venue only and you do your thing, or you can go with something that catering event staff, bartenders, and linens are included, start with that blank slate. And then if you get a little bit of extra money, then you can add on the tablecloths. You get more, then you can add on the extra staffing and just kind of build it build it that way would be my biggest suggestion. I also think make a wish list. Like events are fun. So you might as well like dream big. And your wish list should be all the things that are not actually necessary for your event to happen, but that you would love. So whether it's having a band, if you want casino games to make it really exciting, if you want to pay for a special like Snapchat filter for the event so everyone can use it, whatever is on your wish list, add it, get it priced out and have it just kind of sitting there. So that way, when you know, that way, when you know you have the extra funds, you can just look at your list and say, oh, that is a perfect amount for us at casino games. Like, let's do it, guys. And you're already ready would be my biggest thing. I love the idea of prioritizing. Um, I've, I know that we've talked about that with wedding planning, but Um, I was telling Amanda before we jumped into this topic that I've never been on the other side of planning like a corporate or business event. I've basically just been on the venue side of things. So that's really interesting. And it makes a lot of sense as to how the corporate and business events that we've worked with in the past, um, they do add on a lot of different amenities and stuff once they're closer to their event. And I, I love that. That's some great advice, um, especially if you're depending on ticket sales. What are things that people don't think about when determining a venue? So I don't think that they ask enough questions about the different pricing structures. So a lot of times when you uh, reach out to a venue, you think you know what type of packages they offer. And so you just ask one question, what's the cost? Well, they're going to send you what the best match or what you've told them about your event is. And a lot of times they have other options that you might be interested in and you just didn't know that. And that's not anyone's fault. That's just 
poor communication. But on the flip side, I know, and Jenna, I'm sure you can completely agree with this from a venue perspective. Nine times out of 10, if we try to ask you more questions about your event to see if, you know, maybe they would do better with an hourly rental instead of me sending them this like bundled eight hour package, maybe hourly is better for them. Let me ask them. Usually that means that the person that's inquiring. So if you're on the event side, they just stop responding. And it's not that the venue is trying to spam you. It's that they probably have way more options and they want to send you all the information that could be a great fit for you, but you're just not helping them to do that. But on the flip side, there are definitely venues that I've worked at or that we have clients tell us about that, that really do hide fees and in everything. So I would recommend being very transparent with your budget when you reach out to a venue. Um, that will allow them to say, hey, you know, this one's really not a great fit for you. It's going to be way over your budget, but here's what we do have. So I think that that is really, really important. I think people also don't think about extra fees that some venues have. So a lot of venues in at least the North Texas area are what we call venue only, which means you bring in your own vendors or they are inclusive, which means you use their bundled packages or you use their services and their services only. Now there's kind of this overlap where venues have a list of approved vendors you can use. And if you want to bring in your own, and we see this a lot with our student organizations that are um, very cultural focused. So whatever that might look like for you, whatever group you're in, it makes complete sense that you would want to serve the type of food that your organization is mirrored after. Like, I love it. I think that's incredible. And that's a great way for you to incorporate who you are as an organization and share that with the attendees. Unfortunately, a lot of venues will charge you extra money to bring in a caterer that's not on their list. So that's an extra couple hundred dollars that you need to be aware of when you book that venue or else you're put in a position where you either don't have that food at all, which of course you can't do, you have to have it, or you pay extra money. And that's really a bummer. Another thing I don't think people think about enough is including time to both set up. So your decor, if you have to do the table and chair set up yourself, that takes longer than you probably think. And then of course, clean up time. Um, Most of the time, these organizations will book us and be like, we only need four hours. Well, what it really looks like is they wanted four hours, but they want three hours to set up and three hours to tear down. And now we're looking at a 10-hour day instead of a four-hour day. And that's a lot. Like that is a drastically different type of rental, so to speak, from a venue. So when you reach out to them, make sure you know exactly what you're going to need. And then that way, when you book them, you don't end up with extra fees needing that extra time, so to speak. Another thing I think people don't think about when they book a venue is the venue's office hours or event hour time. So a lot of a lot of our um, corporate and collegiate events really want to come in to talk on weekends because then they can bring their whole group, and that's fantastic. Except weekends is when we have weddings, mm-hmm. and so that makes it very difficult for for their schedules and our schedules to kind of align. And the only way to avoid that is by planning ahead. And with organizations, it tends to be very quick 
paste at the end. So my recommendation would be to plan ahead and communicate with your venue. So if they're able to squeeze you in, they absolutely can. And then I have two more quick things. Um, one is any included decor that the venue already has on site or any setup or cleanup that they already provide for you will save you so much work, so much time, and of course, money getting that decor. And the last one is thinking through their team and their business personality. Some venues are extremely helpful and they will bend over backwards to try to get you to come in um, around your team schedule and when you're able to. Other ones, they're not gonna budge at all. So just know from the beginning, you can get a feel from it and see what would be a good fit for your organization as well as your event. I love that. That is, those are all great points. Can a location impact the attendance for an event? And if so, in what way? Oh my goodness, absolutely. So I kind of mentioned earlier, if it's in the middle of the day, then it's really going to be dependent on travel time and everyone's like schedule. If they have meetings and work to get to or from, they're not going to make it unless it's a short, quick drive. If you're in the city, just the thought alone of trying to find a parking spot and accounting for that time can deter people very quickly. So if your event is kind of downtown in the city, make sure you make it very easy and put on your invitation or your event information details where parking is. Uh, I mentioned first responders that can't be going out of district. I know for collegiate organizations, there's usually a lot in their policies and bylaws about how far they can go, as well as the return times that they have to get to and from the event. You also want to think through like traffic. Traffic patterns are huge. And I know that with construction popping up everywhere. Sometimes it's really hard to plan for that. And then if you're having a larger event where people are coming in for a conference or a team training and you have a lot of, you know, mobile workers that work from home, you want to make sure they're close by to accommodation. So that way it's really easy for them to come soak in all the knowledge that they need to get without feeling overwhelmed or stressed out by finding where everything is, travel time, things along those lines. Awesome. So um, is there anything else that you kind of want to add overall? I don't think so. Um, the only thing that I don't feel like we I touched on that might be something that our listeners want to make sure they consider is if they do need some AV equipment, if the location already has that, fantastic. If they're bringing it in themselves or using a third-party vendor, they need to just make sure that there's enough outlets to support that as well as power. Um, how many things are you going to need plugged in? Do they need to be in a specific location? If so, that's something that you should kind of check out when you're doing your venue tours. And then if you're serving food, I talked about um, making sure to ask about your catering options, but also take a peek. Do they have a prep kitchen? Do they have an ice machine? Is that something you need to bring? Do they have a place to serve food? Tables, you need to bring tables in yourself. And then of course, I, I talked about parking availability. You also please, please think through like how accessible this is for any of your guests that might need that. In our area of North Texas, it is extremely common that venues have kind of all these basics. So the prep kitchen, the ice machine, 
tables, all of that for organizations and corporate, um, just because it makes it easier. You don't need the time. You don't need a full day like a wedding does. You just want a place that has everything you need. You can pop in, have your event, do your thing, and then be good to go. That's it. That's all I got today. I love that. Well, um, as you know, finding a good location for your business, corporate, or organizations can be really tricky. And I really hope that we were able to share some insider, unfiltered info that can definitely help you when choosing the perfect venue for your upcoming events. Um, if you are a corporate planner, or working with a collegiate group. And let me know how you make your decisions. And thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to talking to you next time. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, you can find us at Behind the Party Podcast on Instagram. We want to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or email behindthepartypodcast at gmail.com. We can't wait. See you next time.